Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica T, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, the 9th of September, 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, Working with Others. We will begin our reading on page 98, the bottom paragraph. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Amy E., the 12 Traditions, Naomi B. Our text readers are Nancy H., Nadia B., Du L., and our newcomer greeter is Janice M. And the share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 8th of September, is 9063. 9063. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Amy E. to please read the 12 steps for us. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, visionaries. Amy E. in rural Ohio. Absolutely grateful. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made the decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for allowing me to do service at that. Thank you, Amy E. And I will now ask Naomi B. if she will read the 12 traditions for us, please. Thank you, Monica. Thank you for your service, and good morning, my fellow visionaries. This is Naomi B., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Philadelphia. 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
For our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted service. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement of OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to compulsive overeaters who still suffer. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such would never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on the outside issue. Hence, the OA name would never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communications. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. And I pass. Thank you, Naomi B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speaker, should be muted. So today, we're resuming our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, Working with Others. We will begin reading on the bottom of page 98 with the last paragraph, and two paragraphs will be read. The first paragraph will be for context only, and comments on the second paragraph. And I'm going to ask Nancy H. if she would read for us, please. Good morning. I'll be glad to read. Now the domestic problem, there may be divorce, separation, or just strained relations. When your prospect has made such reparation as he can to his family and has thoroughly explained to them the new principles by which he is living, he should proceed to put those principles into action at home. That is, if he is lucky enough to have a home. Though his family be at fault in many respects, he should not be concerned about that. He should concentrate on his own spiritual demonstration. Argument and fault-finding are to be avoided like the plague. In many homes, this is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done if any results are to be expected. If persisted in for a few months, the effect on the man's family is sure to be great. The most incompatible people discover they have a basis on which upon which they can meet. 
Little by little, the family may see their own defects and admit them. These can then be discussed in an atmosphere of helpfulness and friendliness. After they have seen tangible results, the family will perhaps want to go along. These things will come to pass naturally and in good time, provided, however, the alcoholic continues to demonstrate that he can be sober, considerate, and helpful, regardless of what anyone says or does. Of course, we all fall much below this, this standard many times, but we must try to repair the damage immediately, lest we pay the penalty by a spree. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Nancy, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Massachusetts, who's happy and joyous and free. Right here, it's telling us that, um, you know, we're given a new way to act with people as a result of our spiritual awakening. Instead of being like tornadoes, you know, rummaging our way through people's lives, as we're reminded on page 82, God changes our, you know, our entire personality, and we're examples of recovery. We're examples of kind, sane acting, patient, non-screaming, and loving people. Um, when we are working with sponsees, they tell us they're more likely, actually, I believe, to uh, believe that recovery is possible if we're a model of living by the spiritual principles. Now, I uh, know that not every family will go along. It says perhaps they may want to go along. And it doesn't really matter. What matters is that I conduct myself in an in a appropriate manner. If I'm consistent with my behavior, then they may go along. And you know what? If, I, if I'm not, I mean, if they don't go along, there's bound to be more peace in the family just by my actions. And... Um, we can't, you know, we can't be perfect, it says here, in modeling the behavior. And if we fail, we have instructions on page 84 of how to set the right, set right the wrongs. And I noticed in my own private life that um, I've been doing, for a while I've been apologizing for my wrongs, my harms, and I um, have been doing it with a member of my family especially. And the other day I heard him say, that he wanted to apologize to someone because he was kind of nasty and rude and sarcastic when he went somewhere. And that's not something that was even a passing thought in his mind before. Or it might have been a passing thought, but it wasn't an action. And so we have to kind of be patient if the family doesn't change. And I guess for me it's realizing that acceptance is the only answer. But at the same time, we can remain peaceful and happy within ourselves no matter what the other person does. So I think with that I'll pass, and I just want to say that I'm so uh, elated with my spiritual awakening these days. I just feel like a new person, and I'm happy and joyous and free every day. And I know that there might be some interruptions in my life that might give, be me, give me a challenge, but overall it's a very peaceful way of living. So with that I pass, and I thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy H. And we're going to be commenting, uh, taking comments on the first paragraph there on page 99. And who would like to comment this morning? Melissa. This is Bella. Can I share? Melissa, Bella. Uh, I didn't hear something. G. Kim. Kim G. Kim G. Okay. Somebody else. Amy E. Mary. Mary Mary. B. Mary B. Okay. Kelly S. Okay. This is. Say that again. Kelly, Kelly S. Kelly, Kelly S. Okay, Amy this is e. what I've got. Amy. Okay, I thought I heard you, Amy. Okay, this is what I've got. Um, 
you know, bear with my little ears here. Melissa C., Bella G., Kim G., Mary B., Kelly S., Amy E. Did, is there somebody that spoke up in there that I didn't get? Irini. Irini. I got you now. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Melissa C., you're up, and then it'll be Bella. Hi. Good morning. It's Melissa C., a recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, what my family needs is um, a tangible, you know, evidence, tangible results, not just um, more words for me, you know. And um, because that's kind of what I would do in the past. I was um, full of, like, you know, words. I was, like, going to do something, and it was usually radical, and everybody better get on board. But, you know, I had a history of petering out. I wasn't really consistent with anything. And, you know, so now if I want my family to kind of come along in this spiritual path with me, I can't be talking all the time. I actually have to be living it and doing it. And, um, you know, something kind of came up uh, in my family. Um, you know, my husband, he gets really angry um, over over situations. And, um, you know, we had a, a new refrigerator, and there's a problem with the door. And it's been four months that they were supposed to be taking care of it. And he's, like, ready to, to lose his crap over this. He's getting really worked up. And um, and, and in the past, you know, my my usefulness, my helpfulness is to tell him to calm down. Calm down, calm down, calm down. And that does anything but calm him down. And and then I get mad that he's mad. And so how am I demonstrating the principles of this program if I want peace and tolerance and kindliness and love by now I'm mad that he's mad? And um, so yesterday when he called me really enraged that they still have not addressed this, um, you know, instead of telling him to calm down, I asked him, um, what can I do to help you? You know, do you want me to do something to help you? And initially he snapped at me. He said, yeah, handle it. And I realized he's asking me for help, you know. And I and calmly I said, okay, I'll handle it. And, you know, this morning I took down all the information. It means it's going to be inconvenient for me because now I have to handle it. But, um his tone changed, you know, and so instead of telling this guy, calm down, calm down, calm down, um, I can be useful. I can be helpful. Now, if he still throws a fit later today, you know, I have to remain um, steadfast in my recovery. I have to stay food sober, and I have to ask God to help me, you know, practice this because I might get all, you know, worked up too, but, um, you know, I know that the more I demonstrate these principles, the more peace there is in my home. And this is what I can share with my sponsors as well. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa C. Bella G., you're up, and then it'll be Kim G. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. Of course, we all fall much below this standard many times. Wow, it's such a powerful, wonderful sentence. Yes, that it's a reminder for me for sure that even though we live on 
on the steps, you know, every day, 24-7. And even though we are connected to God, to the higher power, it's a reminder, yes, don't worry, we are human. And it's a reminder for myself, yes, I am still human, and it means that I am not perfect. I am working on myself. I am working to be better one day at a time. I am working on myself to learn from my own mistakes and, you know, to fix those mistakes. But, you know, I am human and I have my character defects. Yes, and I will still, ver- I will still have them. I will, you know, my character defects will disappear my last, my last day of life. And yes, you know, it's a peaceful reminder that, yes, people fell down many times, and we are all the same. All of us, we are the same thing. We are all human. And I remember my first time, you know, in the beginning, not my first time, but in the beginning, you know, when I was leaving, and I thought that, You know, oh, now I am so perfect. And yes, by leaving the 12 steps, yes, I will not have character defect. And it's a, you know, it's a a dream that it never can happen. And thank you, God, that it will never happen. Because as soon as we don't have our character defect, we cannot be really connected to God. Because God is the higher power. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Kim G., you're up, and then it'll be Mary B. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G. Oh, I love this. We, of course, of course we, must, we all fall much below the standard many times, but we must try to repair the damage immediately lest we pay the penalty with a spree. You know, we, we can recover from compulsive overeating. But I've got to tell you, we're not going to recover from being human. That's why we have to continue to work this process. And my personal experience is, you know, you get to step nine, you do one or two, you immediately get into steps 10 and 11. And as I get embedded in step 10, I'm doing less step nines because I'm interceding before I, can, I cause harm. And as I dig into step 11, I'm doing less step 10s because by doing a practice in the morning and evening and pausing throughout the day, I'm not getting disturbed as much. But let me tell you, I also unravel the same way. If I let up on my step 11s, my step 10s start popping up because I'm getting disturbed. And if I let up on my step 10s, then I'm starting to have to do step 9s because I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to harm, harm others. You know, I've been recovered now for five and a half years, and let me assure you, I do not want my binge foods. So when I read this about paying the penalties with a spray, the way that I see this five and a half years into my recovery is, I, is there's other sprees. How is my, my sprees of thinking? Maybe I'm having anger sprees, self-pity sprees. Maybe I'm going to other behaviors. Maybe I'm, I'm starting to chase property, money, prestige. Maybe I'm getting into really protecting my street cred. And I can't afford those penalties with the sprees because eventually they will lead me back to the spree of the food. So my personal experience, again, is that as I grow in this recovery process, my path narrows. I cannot handle restless, irritable discontent. I have to address it now. 
These principles become more embedded in me every single day, month, and year of this recovery. But let me tell you and let me assure you also what happens as that road narrows and I have to keep my focus on my recovery, my connection with God, my connection with my life, with my fellows, with my, is, is joyful. And my life broadens as my road narrows in the way that I need to practice these principles in all my affairs. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Mary B., you're up, and then it'll be Kelly S. Good morning. Can you hear me? Yes. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you for your service. This is Mary B., gratefully recovered food addict in Central California. And I do have a family experience, too, uh, that I'd like to share this morning. I met my husband uh, when I was 61, and he proposed on our second date. We only knew each other for six months when we got married. We said, you know, we're older. We have to kind of rush the uh, timeline along. And I told him about my uh, program, but, you know, um, that was it. And after we got married, I made that decision again, that choice that I am going to try one more time to control my eating. And in our first year of marriage, my knight in shining armor packed up and left me three times. Now, I didn't gain a lot of weight. It wasn't like I got fat and he didn't like that. Something changed me. That man did not know what wife he was waking up to in the morning. And thank God I knew, and I called my sponsor one day, and I said, you know, every time this happens, I'm eating. And so today we have been married almost 18 years. And if my husband will say to me that he would like to do something today, uh, do you have any plans? And I'll say, well, I have a meeting, but I go to a lot of meetings. I can skip it. Oh, no. No, go to your meeting. It does you good. And one day I walked back up to him and I said, you know what? It does us good. And um, I'm very grateful today to be living the life that I am living. And I could finish my share by saying ditto to Kim G's share. So I'll stop here and thank you very much for the opportunity to share this morning. Thank you, Mary B. Kelly S., you're up, and then it'll be Amy E. This is Kelly S. in Oklahoma. Thank you so much for your service. I'm a covered compulsive overeater. Um, first of all, I just kind of um, wanted to share, you know, just a, a bit of my history that, you know, I've been on this program for 30-something years and um, was in quite denial of how this affects our family, you know, grew up in alcoholism and, you know, saw that. So I was like, well, my eating isn't affecting anybody else. And so, you know, I just needed to stop eating and get that under control. And, of course, over the years of being around this program, started to get a little lightning, but lightning, but not much. But um, anyway, you know, it was probably a year before I, I've been abstinent now and, or in recovery, recovered now for 18 months. But about a year prior to that, my um, partner of 17 years said, um, 
she basically just confronted me with my behavior and attitude. And what she said was, you just seem like you hate me and you just seem so unhappy. And, you know, it's kind of an emotional bottom because I realized what my disease was doing. But you know what? The truth was that didn't, that didn't get me recovered. Um, but that was a, an awakening to, we, wow, this disease really does affect everybody else in the family. And, of course, since then I've seen a lot more. But for any of you in denial, I just want you to know your family will let you know otherwise. But um, one of the things about this paragraph that I love is because I, my ego will get to where I've been in um, recovery now for 18 months. Why are my defects coming up? You know, I thought I was, I thought I was better. And, um, you know, it says in here in the big book, and now I have come to believe in this big book religiously more than I ever did, thanks to you guys. Um, but it tells us in here, you know, it says, as Kim brought up, it says, um, we all fall short of this. And then, you know, it tells us back in, into, action, into action on step 10 when these things crop up. So the, the big book is telling me this stuff is going to happen. I mean, why do I think I'm 53 years old after 18 months of finally working this program the way it's laid out in the big book that I'm going to be fixed? I mean, that's such an ego thing right there. And then it says in this paragraph, we repair the damage immediately. It doesn't say we say we're sorry. You know, I grew up with an abusive father who always said he's sorry and kept doing the same things over and over. And even as a child, I was like, why does he keep doing it, you know, if he's sorry? And, you know, it says repair the damage. And so, you know, to me, that means making amends. And, you know, I had to look that up, which I love looking up words. And the word amends doesn't even say, say sorry. It says to change for the better, to improve, to remove or correct faults. So for me... You know, that means working my program, keeping the food down, and then working my steps, you know, making time for my spiritual relationship with my higher power, you know, working with other people, you know, um, and doing the things I need to to change for the better, which is this program, these steps, you know, continuing to live in, you know, 10, 11, and 12, and staying in conscious contact with my higher power, and, you know, removing, correcting my faults. You know, immediately, immediately, I have to do that because I want to tell you guys, I'm 53, and when I wait till the end of the night to do, sorry, let me just wrap up my night review, I've forgotten half my day. So with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Amy E. Irini, it's your turn. Thank you, Monica. Can I be heard? Oh, I'm, yes, Amy, I'm sorry. Here, I messed up. (laughs) Amy E., you're up, and then it'll be Irini. Okay, thanks. (laughs) Um, Amy E, compulsive overeater in Ohio. Um, well, this is so relevant to me every day. Argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague. In many homes, this is a difficult thing to do, but it must be done if any results are to be expected. Um, wow. It's, and, to sit around and, I mean, so many of my arguments with my family, especially my husband, are sort of this tit for tat, well, you started it, you know, um, kind of thing. Well, if you hadn't done this, I wouldn't have done that kind of thing. And it's it's useless. It's useless. And as everybody's pointed out so far, where am I at fault? How did I get the ball rolling? I will find when I do my 10-step review that at some point it was um, – uh, some manifestation of self uh, that I was, or fear, 
for me, it's always, always an element of fear in there, fear of not getting what I want or fear of having something something that I have get taken away from me. And that includes power and control. Uh, Not that I have it anyway, but I think I do. I just want to put a plug in. I I know that the last time we were here at this this part of the book, I think we skipped over reading a family afterward, but it is such a rich, rich chapter. Um, it really gets into detail the different situations that families face with recovering um, alcoholics and the recovering compulsive overeaters and gives us tips how to manage those situations. Um, and uh, one, one of the tips is for the family to play together. Uh, page 132, everybody knows that those in bad health and those who seldom play do not last much. So let each family play together or separately as much as their circumstances warrant. We are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. So uh, uh, reducing our criticism, um, uh, staying close to God and practicing spiritual principles with our spouses and our kids, and playing together and laughing together. Those are the prescriptions for a useful way of life. And it also reminds us in the family afterward that we really have to live these principles at home because that's where the most damage has been done with our family. Thanks. I pass. Thank you, Amy E. And thank you, Kelly S. Before that, Irini, it's your turn. Thank you, Monica, for your loving service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God, always giving credit where credit is due. We must, we must try to repair the damage immediately. And I hear such urgency here because it's so easy to be sucked into the drama. It's so easy to be sucked into our circumstances. If I choose to move away from God, I need to continually just be alert, aware, and awake. And that's how I choose what I'm doing. This is how I measure, measure, uh, weigh and measure my thoughts, to be alert, aware, and awake. Because with every action I take, There's always consequences, and I want the good consequences to come. So what kind of action am I uh, taking? What am I responsible for? What's manifesting here in recovery? Or am I manifesting self-will run riot? You know, this, this book is, this divinely written words in this book is so beautiful, and it just touches me and moves me so. We pray, we pray and we ask for our, from our Creator to show us the way of patience, of tolerance, of kindness, of love, because I cannot do that on my own. I need to ask. I need that power. And it also says our code of conduct is love and tolerance to others. So it's my behavior that speaks to the hearts of others. And this is where and this is where the mystery and the awesome power come in through prayer and then through action. So when I give power to doing the right thing, 
then I receive all that is good and all that I need. Why? Because when I stand strong in God and when I say when, when, because I drift away from God, and then that's when my light gets dimmer, I need to stay strong in God. And that's where the strength, that's where all the power, and that's where all the hope lies. And um, that's where freedom of bondage of self lies, just as long as we're all aligned with God. So I I tried, you know, accepting what is and not necessarily agreeing with my family members or others, mostly not to resist, but just to love. Love them as God loves me. And that's my spiritual muscle to keep it strong as opposed to weak. This is where my spiritual eyes come in to see and separate the behavior from the true self. So I'm focusing on loving their true self and not agreeing with their behavior. And I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Irini. And does anybody else want to share on this before we move on, or are we going to stay here? This is Duel. Yes. Tina. Tina. Maureen. Maureen. Nessa. Lauren. My little pen is just a smoking here, people. (laughs) But I didn't get the last one. Maureen. Maureen. I did get Maureen. This is what I've got. Do, Tina, Maureen, Nessa, and Lauren. Okay. Do, L, you're up, and then it'll be Tina S. Good morning. This is Do, L, a recovered compulsive greeter from New York. And thank you very much. yeah, I was just thinking I loved all the shares because this morning, talk about being human and talk about falling short. Um, I, I fell short this morning. I had a conversation with my mom. What well, wasn't a conversation. It was more like an argument. And, um, you know, and, and she starts her conversations, um, you know, accusing, being accusatory. And um, I, you know, I kind of like... Um, told her that I was going to come see her and pick her up to go see my son in Binghamton. And um, and the first thing she says, you know, oh, you didn't come. You didn't keep your promise. You, you know, it's just like, and, and, and I like, Mom, I'm on my way. I'm, I'm going to pick you up. It's no big deal. And what really was happening is, is you know, I, I got triggered and I started to argue with her about the fact that, you know, she's not listening to me. I'm not listening to her. We got into this back and forth about we're not listening to each other. And what I realized somewhere in the conversation as she's saying, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing what I need to say because everybody's always attacking me. And I feel the same way. She's always attacking people. And so, you know, it's just, it it is what it is. But one of the things I learned this morning was, as she was saying this, she says, you know, I wanted to know if you were coming a little later so I could take care of my grandchild, you know, and because she was sick. And I didn't want her to, to go to work with my daughter, my other daughter, you know, on the school bus. And I realized at that moment, I, I felt like very humbled because I realized that I was not being patient with my mom, that I was not practicing these principles the way it, it caused me to do. And so I, you know, I'm going to see my mom in a little while, so I'll get to make a direct amends with her and, and maybe look at ways to change 
the way we communicate with each other. And, you know, and I could do that today because I have program. You know, prior to program, I, I mean, this would have been an ongoing issue. Um, but today I take the corrective measures to ensure that that, that's, that behavior does not repeat itself or continue to work on, you know, correcting that and immediately making amends. You know, was she right? Was I wrong? Was I wrong? Was she right? Who knows? But, but the point is, I get to practice this. I get to be patient. I get to be compassionate. I get to do the right thing today and set the example. You know, because who knows? Maybe one day she'll get it. Maybe one day she'll, she'll start looking at the example and say, hey, you know, I want that too. You know, and that's, that's our primary purpose is to carry this message, to carry it through example, to carry it through our, our actions, to carry it through our spirituality. And, um, and I'm grateful that I'm learning that as I go along. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Duel. Tina S., you're up, and then it'll be Maureen. Thanks, Monica. Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic in Florida. Well, some great shares this morning. Again, uh, after they have seen tangible results, family will perhaps want to go along, you know, and, and I've already heard it shared this morning, but the deal is, you know, I, uh, this is, this t- has taken some time for me in my family and, you know, because I was always saying I was sorry and I was always trying something new, the sickness in my soul. Uh, I'm sure they were saying, okay, Tina's on a new kick now, you know, to be different. And, uh, you know, the good news for me is that today I am different. And it says, you know, however, the alcoholic continues to demonstrate that he can be sober, considerate, and helpful, regardless of what anyone says or does. You know, and and what I know is that, you know, it seems like the people in my family or the people that I'm closest to have changed, but it really doesn't matter whether they have or not because I have. And And most of the time in my relationships, you know, I was the one who was askew for sure, you know, and um, and I have an opportunity today one day at a time, you know, to take care of my mess and to clean it up. And I love just the previous share is, you know, because I can get caught up in that, you know, who's right and who's wrong and, and does it really matter? You know, it's about, you know, living these principles and, um, you know, praying in the morning, which I do, you know, for God to show me the way of patience, tolerance and kindliness and love. And, and what happens is I'm amazed after a few weeks of praying that prayer of how, hmm, you know, I seem to be more that way. And I also want to say this, and then I'll close, and it does say on page 132, we are sure God wants us to be happy, joyous, and free. And that's why I keep coming back, because I want to be happy, joyous, and free. And I can do that in the midst of my struggle and the trudge. So with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. And Maureen, you're up. I did not get the initial of your last name. And then it'll be Nessa. And Madam Mary. Hi. Uh, Thank you, Maureen. Hi, family. My name is Maureen M. from New York, recovered compulsive eater. Um, you know, I remember when I was growing up, and my father was an alcoholic, pretty severe. And uh, he used to say about my mother, because she was completely insane and a compulsive overeater, that she was a house devil street angel. Now, I was a little girl, and I remember thinking about that, going, wow, um, I think that's true. And I put that away for a while, um, 
got nice and damaged and wound up <laughs> in uh, Al-Anon and then away. And I had stopped drinking. I don't know if I was an alcoholic, but I didn't think it was a good idea. Nonetheless, the action of being a house devil street angel rang so true to me. And I remember feeling um, it was so easy to be mean to my family. Um, and it was so difficult um, to practice these principles in all my affairs in my family. Um, it's not so now uh, because I put my higher power first. No one's my higher power except my higher power. Um, no, no person. And because of that, no matter what anyone says or does or feels, or opines, it it, it belongs to them. And I'm grateful for any uncomfortability or discomfort that I feel because it reminds me that there's one source only that will restore me to sanity, make me ready to have my defects removed, remove my shortcomings, and that's my higher power, not me. And when I keep the focus on myself and I keep the focus on praying and demonstrating, which is an action, I have to demonstrate these values in my life. Um, there are different strategies that I had had to employ over the years. I've had to remove myself from situations, zip my lip, uh, you know, ask God to put his arm around my shoulder and his hand over my mouth because the mouth was always engaging. And, you know, I had to be right, had to compete, blah, blah, blah. No, um, that doesn't work today. My husband and I are sports-oriented people, so I learned how to say, listen, we're on the same team and we want the same things. This is very important. We honor God first and then each other. It comes naturally when we do that. And repairing the damage immediately. This is not, you know, we can't hold resentments. We have to do this immediately so we don't get hurt and then hurt them again. I'm really grateful, really glad, and thank you for being here. And have a great day. Okay. Thank you, Maureen M. NASA, you're up, and then it'll be Lauren. Hi, good morning. My name is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, the last few lines of this paragraph remind me that I may be recovered, but I am by no means cured, and I am by no means turned into an angel. So I am going to um, I am going to um, falter from time to time, and this is why Bill put in step ten in the process. It was one of the six steps that he added to the six tenets of the Oxford groups to close a loophole because, you know, after I have cleaned the house, um, in those steps four through nine, dust is going to accumulate and rent and all sorts of garbage, and I need to continue cleaning it up. And so he added this step for that specific purpose. Um, you know, we read in the big book, uh, page 84, 85, it says that, you know, we pause when agitated or doubtful. And for me, agitated is a cold word for resentful. 
and doubtful is a code word for fearful. And I had a meltdown on Monday, you know, because I wasn't getting my way. My family wasn't um, getting with my program and doing what I wanted and the way I wanted it. I mean, I guess they did do what I wanted, but not the way I wanted it. And so I had a meltdown. And why did I have that meltdown? I didn't pause. I did not pause. I was definitely resentful. And I chose to charge through, you know, to, to push through on my self-will, to bulldoze my way to, to people's day. And it wasn't pretty. But, um, you know, speaking to offending program, I was set straight. You know, that gave me the pause that I had failed to take. And then right there and then, you know, do a step 10 and, and turn it around. I gave away a step 10. I promptly made amends because we have to do... You have to repair the damage immediately because it grows. The damage will grow. Not only I will get more resentful, they will get more resentful, and it will just be a, a downward spiral uh, with no end. Um, you know, and it can't, it can't be that way. It can't be that way anymore, you know, not in recovery. So thank God for that step 10. Thank God for the pause. Um, and thank God for the 12 steps I passed. Thank you, Nessa R. And Lauren, you're up. Thank you. Um, Lauren S., as in Sam, from Pittsburgh, PA, recovered compulsive overeater. Um, Yeah, this is, for me, like, these, what it's telling me here is how this is going to factor into my step 12, um, practicing these principles in all my affairs. And, um, this is how this is a design for living that works for me. You know, I believe the original, um, the original 12 steps was carry, to carry the message to other, shoot, it's like, let's get this really quick. Yeah, it was, um, okay. Yeah, as we tried to carry this message to, it was originally we tried to carry this message to others, especially alcoholics, and then they changed that to, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics. So, um, like, in recovery, I'm being seasoned to not only help the suffering compulsive eater, but to help everybody around me. And um, what's sticking out for me is when they say sober, considerate, and helpful. Um, it reminds me of right now I'm taking a couple of people through the amends and it's it's telling us to go to them in a helpful and forgiving spirit. And these attitudes, you know, helpful, loving, tolerant, um, having these spirits don't just come to me naturally. Um, you know, when I'm, one, when I'm abstinent, I'm able to be available to even start at the, even have a starting place to be able to have those attitudes eventually. And, you know, I work the steps from the big book constantly throughout the day. And then what comes from that is these attitudes, sober, considered helpful. They just happen effortlessly. I'm not forcing myself to be that way with my family. So, um, 
argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague. It's, it's good instruction for me to follow outside of just helping the next compulsive eater. But, um, you know, the gift that I've received from this is when I'm doing, you know, a thorough throughout the day, a 10 and a thorough 11 throughout the day and night, and then the pages before this working with others and then have that deep step one experience Argument fault finding just kind of happen as a result. It just happens as like another promise of the book that I'm promised if I, you know, follow the precise directions. So thanks for letting me share that I'll pass. Thank you, Lauren S. And would anybody else like to share on this? Katie G from Boston. Katie. Renee. Leah M. Renee. Leah M. Okay, let's go with that. Katie G, you're up, and then it'll be Renee. Good morning, Monica. May I be heard? <clears throat> yes, you may. Okay, starting my timer, Katie G, recovered convulsive reader, and I actually can believe I've been really quiet this week listening to all y'all. Because um, I work the steps every day. Praise God. Thank God for the my abstinence, step 10, step 11, and... um. I've been, like, falling flat on my face, not nose, messy, messy crying, frothy, emotional appeal with my sponsor. I don't want to keep doing this. I don't want to keep blaming him. I don't want to keep falling short. And um, But there is hope, right? There is hope. Because, number one, I'm not eating today, and that's a miracle. I'm not running out on my job to exercise bulimically. And I'm for the most part, there are incremental, as we say in speech therapy, incremental changes being demonstrated in my home. And, you know, one of the things that one of my teachers taught me is that I don't even get to apologize to the hubs to be anymore because those words are done. They have no meaning right now in our in our relationship. He doesn't want to hear even a true blue written perfectly amends. He wants to see my changed behavior. And so what am I doing? I am doing the best I can to practice the opposite. I have reminders in my phone, argument and fault finding are to be avoided like the plague. Um, and I'm trying to work on practicing breathing as opposed to um, practicing the same, you know, stuff. Like my, what I saw in, in my step four is that, you know, people were not, did not demonstrate trustworthiness. But um, get current, Katie, you're about to be 38 years old and you're in a grown-up relationship, so you need to demonstrate trust. And what does that look like? What does, you know, and to be honest, guys, I'm learning. I have related to exercise and bulimia and food addiction my whole life. So, of course, I don't know how to have relationships. And the beautiful thing that we're, people are showing this morning is we get a guidebook, right? We get, uh, you know, when my, when my fiancé walks in the door, pause, pause, take a deep breath, say hi, kiss him on the lips no matter what, even if he hasn't followed my script, even if he did not communicate with me on my terms and I want to offer him silent scorn, what if I meet him with love? You know, one of my teachers is always asking me, what would love do? You know, and um, I'm such a drama queen. Like, um, I continue to see that job or no job, wife or no wife, house or no house, 
Like all of these things, they don't change me. The only change that I continue to see demonstrated and leading to those incremental changes, and I'll wrap up with this, is when I pause, is when I talk to God, and when I realize that my anything outside of myself cannot change this gaping wound. Only God can fill me up and change me. And what a privilege to be doing it one more day um, with all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Katie G. And we've got four minutes left. So, Renee, you're up, and then Leah. Good morning. This is Renee, grateful, recovered, food addict, compulsive overeater. Can I be heard? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Couldn't remember if I'd unmuted. Thank you so much, Monica, for your service and for all the wonderful shares today to my visionary family. I wanted to focus on the tangible results that the family may have seen and that they perhaps may want to go along, Um, but the alcoholic continues to demonstrate he can be sober, considerate, and helpful regardless of what anyone says or does, and of course we all fall short below the standard many times. So the hardest place, and I say it all the time, for me to work this program is in my relationship with my husband and at home. And, um, you know, I sound great everywhere else, but these patterns of behavior with me are so ingrained and so deeply in my soul that the only way they can be removed is through my higher power. And every morning in the shower, I ask that certain defects of character be removed and that I have the willingness to not be selfish, self-seeking, self-centered, dishonest, angry, resentful, prideful, and there's a whole list more. I really feel and believe that to show kindness tolerance, patience, and love is really my watchword, and I do fall so short of it. This last eight to ten months has been the most challenging time in my entire life with fighting cancer. My husband is not well, so we're both not having good days when I'm doing chemotherapy, and I get snappy, and I can't physically help him the way that I would like to. My body just does not permit it. So it's really difficult. And uh, every day I say in my prayers, God, please let me abandon myself totally to you. Let me surrender everything, including my husband and my relationship with my husband. So I'm very grateful for these words and for my wonderful Vision family and all of you who are on this line day after day, week after week, month after month, and I am just so happy to trudge the road of happy destiny with all of you. And with that, I will pass. Thank you, Renee. And Leah, take us out. Thank you so much, Monica. I guess what I'll say in a minute is that, you know, Perhaps it's obvious that, you know, we continue to trudge these steps. You know, most people don't know that we continue on this path of growth, you know, for our whole lives uh, one day at a time. It's not just about the initial separation from food and the initial, you know, uh, abstinence and overcoming the glaring and damaging um, more pronounced things in our lives or that we make initial changes through these steps, you know, 
early in recovery and then our lives become wonderful, we continue to trudge. We continue to demonstrate uh, these principles in all our affairs. It's easy to practice it on the line here. You know, every morning we gather together, we love each other. Hopefully, we, you know, we all love each other. We try not to hurt each other. But what do we do when we hang up the phone? You know, can I practice these principles at home with my husband and my children? Uh, you know, can I make amends quickly when it's uh, warranted, you know, have I harmed my husband? Do I treat my husband courteously? Am I patient with my children? Uh, all these things come into play. This is, you know, a continuous lifetime occupation, and how wonderful that we have a program of recovery that gives us these spiritual tools uh, so that we don't need to seek any substance outside of ourselves in order to feel comfortable. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much. Thank you, Leah M., and thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And do, L, would you read for us, please, from a vision for you? Thank you, Monica. I will. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to you, come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you unto then. Yes.